0: That is a from done it again. What a goal by the league champion on,
1: on half The World Game with Carlos Alberto Diego from 4diegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday.
2: Oh, he's looking to satisfy us all right this afternoon. Carlos, good afternoon.
3: How are you there? Half, Uh, this is not an entree. We have two main meals (laughs) on on Wednesdays. Right. Some might argue that I have the bigger main meal. Right now, No, no, not when the four of you get together. It's uh, yeah. it's a festival of food. It's uh, Palmer, Palmer Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Pot and Palmer Wednesday. Pot Palmer Wednesday.
2: What's happening, mate? You all good?
3: Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, I suppose, you know, an era's uh, ended uh, and with the news just recently, in the last uh, hour or so, that uh, Mark Bresciano, Bresciano, uh, as he's well known to yep. a lot of football fans out there, has decided to retire from international football, which is not wholly a surprising thing. But uh, I suppose uh, we need to celebrate it because, uh, you know, that golden generation one by one, uh, if not... Uh, or oh, suppose Timmy's still involved uh, and still playing and he'll probably keep on playing for a few more years. But one by one, they're, they're dropping off. And I think we need to celebrate each one for the achievements they've, uh, they've managed to do over the last 15 years or so.
2: Well, good chance for our listeners to get involved with um, their... Uh... Their thoughts on Mark Bresciano as a player and their favourite moments, I suppose, through his international career. It's just his international career he's retired from at this stage. Is Absolutely,
3: right? yeah. No, he's still playing club football in Qatar and you know I'd like to have a chat about what we can do to get him back here and uh, maybe spend a bit of time in his last couple of years playing in the A-League. But... You know, I still remember him uh, in the former life where I used to be involved with the old NSL club, uh, Carlton, yep. uh, and watching him at training. And I remember in the first year, when they, before he came along, the club was struggling. It was almost like uh, Melbourne City winning and losing, and, uh, and about halfway through the season they picked up this young kid from Bulleen Veneto Club, uh, and he hadn't even played, from memory, representative football for Victoria, but people were talking about uh, this young boy Mark Bresciano. and. Uh, and I remember watching him at training and thinking, this guy's special. But he was really unassuming sort of a character. Didn't say much. Uh, in those days, had a, a big crop of curly black hair. Did and, he? Uh, yeah, you know, he had, he had the, the Michael Jackson, Leo Sayer look going there for a bit. <laughs> um, and uh, and we, we sort of knew that he was a good, really good player. But even on that roster there, uh, they had Simon Colosmo, they had Bresh and they had, also had Vinnie Grella amongst some other young players who were in the squad. But they're the three that good, really good. stood out. And probably out of a lot of them, you know, Bresch was probably second of those three. I'd probably rank Simon Colosimo yep. above those, and then uh, and then Grella, who was a just a battler and a uh, just a hard worker all the time, shone later on when he went overseas. But you know, Bresch. Has been almost was almost a slow burn at that time. They went over to Italy and played uh, joint Empoli and did it really hard. I mean, the young boys, Vinny and himself going over at that time there, did it really hard. Not many people had a lot of faith in them succeeding over there because that, that were the days where Italian CDR was probably the best competition in the world. Yeah. And uh, them going over and, and trying to you know, get some CDR experience was very, very difficult for them, but they stuck with it. And uh, he played 80 games for him, Paulie, in three years. Absolutely, but he, he played some great football with Parma too, and uh, also Palermo late in his career. Very respected professional, and um, you, don't, you don't spend 12 years playing in Italy in, at the highest level unless you're a good player. Yep. And, uh, and he's one guy, but just unassuming the whole time, whenever he played for Australia, 84 times capped for Australia, never let us down, so... Uh, congratulations to him and uh, it's great to see that uh, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later we'll see him in the A-League.
2: It is an amazing record when you think about his Serie A performance. 80 games for Empoli, uh, 123 games for Parma, 107 games for Palermo, and 20 for Lazio. Uh, it's, it's a huge performance. It's, what's that, 330 games? Yeah, and without the fanfare. He,
3: he's not into the marketing of uh, himself. I don't think he I – I, I, did, I did go looking for his Twitter account today just to see uh, whether uh, he has got one, and he has got one. I think he's got something like uh, – he follows one person. Who's that? Uh, Luca Toni from uh, – well, I'm not sure whether he's back in Italy playing Luca Toni at the moment, but he was a, a, a fellow professional footballer in Italy, and, uh, and I think he's, he's got about you know, two or 3,000 people following him but he's only sent out five tweets in five or six years so i don't think he's very right, active not on that active. yeah so but he's never been that sort of uh guy i don't i don't think he's ever tried to brand himself or or sell himself or even you know get apparel contracts or anything like that and, uh, and I think that's what endeared him to so many players that he played with. I mean, if you get on Twitter at the moment, the PFA are retweeting, you know, uh, tweet after tweet of fellow professional Aussie players that play with him. And some of them are really young guys who are just coming through right now that he obviously spent a bit of time with uh, in the lead-up to the Asian Cup, maybe the last 12 months in Aussie camps. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's a guy that just uh, leads by example and he just puts his arm around someone and just says a couple of quiet words and, and gives them confidence and, and does it that way.
2: Uh, now, I clearly didn't watch any Sidia when he was uh, at his peak of powers throughout the, the 2000s. But my, and my only real knowledge of him has been through Socceroo Colours mm. through his time. And it's he's always that, that guy that Bresciano is playing in Italy. He's going to be, you know, he's really important for his Socceroo level. And I would think from my watching of the Socceroos in the last 10 years or so that there's not too many players you prefer to have. Uh, the ball at their feet of. He's one of the guys that create things, had unbelievable vision uh, at at that level. Clearly he's still playing, so he's not finished washed up forever, but at that level he still had unbelievable vision and was able to bring players into the game as well as be a really attacking player, which uh, which I quite like, but also on the other end, he worked box-to-box, box-to-box yep. and, and help out defensively as well, be really aggressive in that area. That's what I loved about him at that level for Socceroos' performance.
3: And he's not a super athlete either. I mean, he's, he's one of these guys that's uh, pretty much one pace, but when he has the ball at his feet, he's got the vision that no other restrained footballer has, even, yep. even some of the greats now who have gone through and don't never had the vision that he had. But I suppose in the traffic of Italian football and in the pressure... Uh, where every game, every training session, especially if you're a foreigner, even though he's got Italian background, he was treated like a foreigner over there. Uh, you know, everyone's on you. There's so much pressure the whole time. You need to have that vision, that calmness about him. And I think that's what his big asset has been. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking to myself, you know, a lot of people like you would have got to know Mark Bresciani just from watching him in Soccer yeah. did I even didn't see a lot of games of Italian City where he was playing because of the way the games were scheduled or whatever it may be. Um, And, you know, you just wonder, did he absolutely play his best football for the Socceroos? And I'd probably say no. And But like Mark Viduka... Like, imagine not many would
2: play them. No. Because well, they're playing week to week for their team. Yeah, they know chemistry, they know all the players, the set-ups. And,
3: yeah, but, you know, you look at Mark Viduka and, and you probably look at his Socceroo record. It should have been so much better. And But I think that at the time they were playing for the Socceroos over the last 10 years, prior to Gus Hiddink, at that time, under Frank Farina and before that. And uh, after Frank Farina, you know, when we've got Holger Osic and Pim Verbeek, where the emphasis wasn't necessarily on playing great football, uh, I just felt that it was a way the game was played at that level, the way it was coached at that level for the Socceroos, that really killed some of our stars. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have seen this group. And again, you know, as much as Ange has won the Asian Cup, he would admit that he's still got a long way to go to prove himself as a top international coach. Uh, But I would love to have seen these guys play Bresh, Viduca, Harry Kuehl at their peak under someone like Ange Postacoglu, with a plan, with a pattern of football, you know, going at people, uh, really, really buying into the the strengths of our attacking players and yeah. our visionary players. We never had that before. And uh, and so in, in many respects, the boys have been crucified a bit, but they stuck with it, played, turned up every time, you know, Bresch played in three World Cup campaigns, a couple of Asian Cup campaigns, and not all of them have been good. Not all of them have been happy. Uh, and, uh, but he still turned up, and he just did it for the green and gold. Uh,
2: Johnny is in Mount Evelyn. He wants to get involved in uh, this discussion about Mark Bresciano, who's retired from international football. G'day, John. G'day, Half. Mate, um, over at the Grand Prix at Monza a few years
4: ago, walking around with my um, Aussie flag and, and the Australian GP hat on just to sort of speak volumes about how respected Mark was overseas. People were coming up, Hey, Australia, Mark Bresciano. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the sort of vibe I got. And as soon as I heard him talking about it in that way, I've
3: gone, I've got to take a bit of notice of who this guy is, because he's obviously very good. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. Whenever I travelled to Italy, and I said I was from Australia, Brescia's name had come up. You know, invariably, and then Vinnie Greller at different times, and and you know he's talked to Vinnie, and you know again he doesn't say too much about his time over there, other than the fact that he he survived and he did very well playing the city. But he used to love telling me stories about uh, he and Bresh at Palmer at training, and how they wouldn't go anywhere near the Aussies at training because what you see from Greller on the field and brush on the field, you got it training. Yep. So if if Vinny Vinnie had to you know leave a foot in a tackle, he would do that. And so suddenly they'd be thinking these guys are loco. You know these Australians are mad. You know what, they don't even calm down at training. So okay. uh, so you know that that skill and the confidence and the technique they developed over there, plus the hardness and the competitiveness of them being Australians, really, I think. Uh, sort of garnered a lot of respect over there in the Italian football where a lot of foreigners, you have to be a really good foreigner to get respect over there. The Italians are pretty fickle like that and, uh, and they certainly got some great respect over a long period of time. Like I said, you don't play, you know, with big clubs in the city are over a 15-year career or a 12-year to 15-year career and not be respected and that's what uh, Bresch uh, was able to achieve over there. Uh,
2: a fantastic player off the SMS, Dockers and Tremana says... Not being a massive soccer fan, Bresciano is one of the players that made me want to watch the game more and more. Great career and a shame to see him bow out. Kudos, young man. And uh, Justin on the road says Bresh was all class. Great example was his perfect ball to Josh Kennedy to qualify us for yep. the 2014 World Cup class when we needed it. Uh, that's the sort of stuff I have of Bresch too. And I still
3: think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, because I know you guys are a wealth, you're a font of knowledge Raging river of knowledge. I think he still holds... the 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 highest transfer fee for any Australian between two foreign clubs, uh, when I say foreign club, two Italian clubs, uh, and when I say Italian clubs, any foreign clubs between uh, you know, players transferring between those two, and I think it was his move from Empoli to Parma. Yeah. Uh, people can correct me if I am wrong, but I think it was around twenty million uh, pounds or uh, well, euros at the time, wow. and that was um, and that was you know. Big big money at the time. I think it was probably in the nineties at that at that stage. So well, that would have
2: been uh, early two thousands. It would have been yep. very very early. Yeah, Right oh, Well, there you go. Feedback for uh, for you on Marco Bresciano. Marco Brisciano's career, international career. I, I do want to just continue on just quickly after the break, Carlos, and talk about the the Asian Cup and what that would have done to him mentally and whether or not. Well, clearly it was a, a catalyst.
1: Eleven sixteen sen halftime with Daniel Harford for Waverley BMW Springvale Road Glen Waverley. First class service is our commitment.
2: Twenty four past one. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. Of course, don't forget the boys, the four Diego's, not just this one. The whole team of four back tonight from eleven on Melbourne's Home of Sport. Eleven sixteen sen. Carlos, just before, as we sign off on the Bresciano discussion for the moment, the um, the Asian Cup. Um, and the fact that he was pretty much a spare part, sort of, if I have to sort of play, for Ange Cogler throughout that campaign. Do you think that was the straw? Or do you think going into that, he would have known that this was just about his time at international level anyway?
3: Yeah, well, look, I think uh, it's like Jimmy Cale. I think every game now, uh, every every sort of uh, campaign, if it's an Asian Cup tournament or whatever, was, was going to be a bonus for these guys. And yep. as long as they were playing well... And contributing to the change room in, in, in the to the development of the young guys, I think Ange was probably encouraging them to stay on. Uh, but with Maselaongo, the way he grew through this yeah. tournament, he effectively took uh, different players, by the way, but he effectively took Brescia's spot. And uh, I'm pretty sure that if you look at the rotations, he, Ange Postacoglu rotated everyone else. I think nearly everyone in the squad except for Antonis and uh, the, uh, the the two reserve goalkeepers. Yep. Yep. Uh, did not get a run. But nearly everyone else did. And I would have thought that maybe he thought if, if uh, Luongo was being picked in the first game that he would have been rested for Brescia in the second game. They would have... Almost like the beige davidson situation where they were just exchanging yeah. game by game. Uh, well, Luongo was playing so well that Posko Cogley was on the record saying I could not, you know, in, in any sort of, uh, you know, sense drop Luongo. I had to keep on playing the kid. And he ended up being the best player at the tournament. So he probably looked at that. And there's probably some other, you know, if you know, I keep on talking about Tommy Rogic, if, if he gets his uh, game right uh, and his body right, that, uh, that he'll probably be someone that will be vying for a position in the middle of the park, too. So, you know, why not finish on top? He's still making good coin in Qatar. Um, I would love to see him in, in the A League before it's too late. I mean, 35. Yeah, I know. Age and, and... doesn't worry me. It's just whether he comes back here and does some damage. That's the only, I mean, Joseph Skoko, another great, fantastic player, but I think he probably came. A little bit late to the A League, mm. and he was a, a good serviceable player for Melbourne Heart in the first year. But I don't think we saw the you know anywhere near the best of Josip Skoko. Given that he was a running player and and so forth, Breach could probably add a little bit even if it's next year or next season because of the fact that he doesn't rely on his running so much. He just you know he's got just fantastic uh, vision, and, and you know give him the ball, he'll pick passes, and he'll he'll also bring the young kids on too. So he would add. Terrific value, I think, to the A-League in that respect.
2: There was some suggestion pre-Christmas that he might be ending up at Melbourne City. Has that progressed any further or well, is not gonna happen, well it not going to happen? Well, it can't now because can't of the uh,
3: marquee situation. Robert Corrin's a marquee and the Australian marquee is also uh, Josh Kennedy too. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that Dave Davidovic in the Herald Sun ran a, a little bit of a uh, forum on... Uh, You know, whether Melbourne City could, you know, given that they had 6,000 people at their game on the weekend, I mean, that's just not good enough. Only 6,000 people are turning up to Melbourne City game. And he was suggesting or the discussion was around whether Mark Bresciano coming back to Melbourne can suddenly fill that stadium. I don't think so. I don't think he can suddenly fill that stadium. Uh, You know, uh, David Villa couldn't fill the stadium. Mm. Harry Kuehl couldn't fill the stadium. Um, you know, I'd love to actually ask our listeners out there which Australian player over the years would have filled that stadium for Melbourne City. Would have Mark Viduka filled that stadium? I don't know. I just think they have to win Melbourne City to to fill the stadium, and and have to win sustainably in a, in a very um, in a very attractive sort of a way. So I'm not quite sure whether that would necessarily add value to attendances. Uh, but if the team wins and Marco's there, well, maybe he, maybe that could be a, a catalyst for
2: it. Tell me, Carlos, just on stadium uh, crowds and, and A-league crowds, Australian soccer has three times the participation numbers than um, Australian rules football does. Three and a, three and a bit. Yeah. 650,000, I think, 650, 000, I think um, competing or participating throughout the country as opposed to about 200,000. Why? How, how difficult? A well, couple of questions. Why is there no translation? How difficult is it for the FFA to to translate that in participation, that interaction in the game, to involvement at the high level of the A League?
3: Mm. Well, they're, they're ABS figures, and I know for a fact that that is not new. That last 20 years, because we've been putting in proposals for all sorts of football, soccer projects for the last 20 years, and we've been using ABS figures, yep. Australian Bureau of Statistics figures, in our proposals. And football soccer has had a bigger participation rate by more than two at least. And, you know, you'll get arguments about definitions about participation, you know, what makes a particip- what, what's part of participation, what's not. But there's no argument that there's more people playing football soccer than AFL around Australia. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm saying that soccer is a better sport than the AFL football. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And I know... Well, Miro. numbers back it's no, I no that, argument. Yeah, Miro Bladovich talked about, uh, you know, soccer being up to the age of 16 in the US, uh, the highest participation rate in the US. If you yeah. look at the hierarchy of sports in the US, soccer's about sixth. So... The 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 question you ask about why has it translated well that just is the eternal question. It has translated more in A League, you know, crowds and since the advent of the A League, we see Melbourne Victory who might average twenty to twenty five thousand people to their home games. Uh, but it still drops off with uh, Melbourne City, Central Coast Mariners, Newcastle Jets. It oscillates a lot. I think in AFL football you still get big crowds, even if your sides aren't going so well. I mean, the doggies know what they're going to get. Uh, St Kilda know what they're going to get. It's, you know, that that core figure. People don't drop off in a big way. So great question. Why aren't they coming to the A-League? And that's probably something that we should be asking people who are involved with the grassroots football who have to deal with hundreds and hundreds of kids at their club who love the game, turn up twice a week to training, play on the weekend, but don't go to the A-League. Mm. Love to throw it out there. Anyone out there who wants to talk about this yeah, and to. give I us would, uh, their like their experiences, because this has not been something that's just... It's not a new phenomenon. No, this has been a 20-year uh, sort of issue. Mm. Uh, and the big thing is, how do you get these these people coming to your games, because if you can get even 70% of those people coming to the games, you're going to fill stadiums.
2: It's a really interesting topic, I reckon. I'd love to get some feedback on it, 9429 There's some other people who want to have a chat about uh, who would fill the stadium, Carlos, after the break. we will get to that now. Sports Central coming up as well. But after that, we'll take those calls. And also, uh, why, if you, you are not the coalface... Why do you think there is no correlation or very little correlation between the number of people participating in the game as opposed to viewing it as a spectator at the elite level? Love to find out more about that. I'm sure Damien DeBowen's listening somewhere, and he'll be tuning in and finding out as well, looking for some answers. But 29-2, Carlos with us, back with more shortly for the decision. But how big are... Him? Pay a piece of it it would have been. Twenty past one. Carlos is with us, talking the World Games, another great of Australian football, celebrating a milestone this week. We'll talk about that through the journey, as well as uh, FIFA Task Force considering a Winter World Cup for 2022. Big coming up. Join us. Nine forty nine. Eleven sixteen.
1: On 11.16 SEN, halftime with Daniel Harford for Waverley BMW, Springvale Road, Glen Waverley. Experience the ultimate driving machine today.
2: 23 to 2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us, and uh, he's hit a bit of a nerve. He's hit it's a gone bit off. of a nerve. It's gone off. We've got boards full of calls. I want to talk to you about the situation at play. Here we're talking about the participation levels of, uh, of soccer V. Not, not, not V, any sport in particular, yeah. but the the... The fact that has isn't isn't able to translate huge participation, the biggest in the country, apart from, uh, according to the stats, walking for exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people do that, Carlos. Three and a half million people do that, they tell me. Uh, can't translate into support, spectators, viewers for, for the A-League. And it
3: is, by the way, it has improved a lot since the old NSL days, by the way. Uh, we are translating, but it's slow. It's a slow burn, given that we've had these numbers for a long time. The other thing these numbers don't count up. Kids, you know, girls and boys playing in schools. Some private schools out there have got, you know, 12 kids' teams. Yeah. And they play on weekends and stuff, and they, and they hire former professional uh, NSL coaches to coach their teams. It's really, really big business. Uh, but they're not counted in the, um, in, the, in the statistics.
2: All right. I want to go through some of these numbers in a second. But uh, you also threw out who would fill a stadium if they were mm. playing in the A-League today. Tom in Greenville wants to discuss that. G'day, Tom. Hi, Harf. Hi, Carlos. How are you going? Yeah, good, Tom.
5: The only one that comes to mind is a natural goal scorer, and that was Mark Baduca. There's no one else out there that would uh, fill a, a stadium today in their heydays. Baduca was uh, only there for two and a half years, top goal scorer both times. And we don't. And you know, if you, just, you look around the world, all the ones that pull the stadium crowds are the scorers. Your Messis, your Ronaldo's, your Suarez, they're all goal scorers.
3: Absolutely, mate, and I think uh, you know if you had a fit and hungry Mark Viduca coming back to Australia. I remember still seeing him in the first year of Melbourne Heart, going to see his best mate, one of his best mates, Joseph Skoko, and you'd sit him, see him in the in the corporate function, and you're thinking, geez, just give him a shirt, don't just worry about training, just throw there. him on there right now. Uh, he would be one, and I think Timmy Cahill, in, in my mind, Timmy Cahill would be another, especially yeah. now if he if he came back right now and played, he would have filled stadium, especially if the team was winning.
2: What about the reaction he got in Shanghai? I know. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, no,
3: he's, he's loved. And this is the other thing about the Asian Cup. This is for another show. Yes. Uh, half, Write it down. The Asian Cup suddenly broadens the brand of all Australian footballs. If you're any good and you're magne- magnanimous in the way you, go, you know, approach, you embrace everyone, yep. uh, and you've got good marketing men around you and women, uh, you, uh, you can suddenly get a, an Asian brand, which is fairly strong.
2: Thank you, Tom. Two Australian League Hams coming your way from Woolworths or Coles. You'll love that. Nick's in Berwick. G'day, Nick. Hey, mate. Um, why, why we don't have uh, attendances
4: translated from participation to A-League is a very, very simple equation. Right. Talk to me. Um, simple. Um, without having to compare too much to other sports, the other sports are only in this country, and the other sports pretty much do their fixtures based on commercial ideas and commercial reasons whereas the A-League is very simple. It's a sporting fixture, so you play each team the same amount of times, irrespective of who they are. Number two, with the A-League being football or soccer, there is such a large world scale to compare to. So what is a very, very common phenomenon here is you have soccer families taking their kids to soccer, playing, train, training, training, et etc. but on the weekend, they will go to a blockbuster AFL footy match because that's the thing to do. So it's, it's, it's commonly termed uh, snobbiness, uh, per se, because people they see the, the EPL, they see the Bundesliga, they see the La Liga, so we, they, don't, they don't see the same product here. So, we're stuck. What they do see here is you know a bit of a perception of going to a blockbuster AFL game, which is once again commercially done, right? But it's different uh, seasons, and, and,
2: Nick. We're, we're talking about different is, times of is, year,
4: that is. But a perfect example is my brother, he takes his kids to soccer training, even his daughter, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, on the weekend, instead of taking his kid to the A-League, where he wants his kids to be, yeah, that's what I would think, he will probably, he won't take them to an A-League game. But he may watch Liverpool you know, on Foxtel. So, and I keep saying, you know, you want your kids to play the best possible league in this country and hopefully leapfrog into Europe, you have to take them there. You can't just bypass it. So, and that's what happens. It's probably 50% of the football families here. They do not. It's like, a, how can I say, they don't, it recognised that it exists. And people
2: actually will badmouth it. A few people have said, uh, I've hinted on similar lines than as Nick. Had, to, um, the reason crowds aren't better is because paying public enjoy watching the best on TV, La Liga, EPO, Champions League, all that sort of stuff. And we've got more access to that than ever before. And there seems to have been throughout the journey and, and even in um, uh, public circles, Carlos, a, a thought... That The A-League is no good. It's just Hacks having a crack. I mean, it's it's good for us, but it's not really good in the grand scheme of things. And that's probably holding it back to a degree. Yeah,
3: there is this term people use in football, uh, Euro snobs, who have always uh, sort of Kept at arm's length, the old inner cell. Anything happening in Australia is just not good enough. Yep. It's just at the lowest level. And but I think we've seen enough games these days on TV, enough performances. West Sydney Wanderers, Melbourne Victory. You know, with some great players playing here, to know that it's worth going to watch. One thing I can look. This is all speculation, I suppose. Everyone can speak subject, subjectively and anecdotally about what they know, but. You know, part of my work is that I go into schools a lot. And, yep. uh, and I've been doing that for about 12 years. And I remember when I first started going to school, especially if it was a football day or a, or a sports day and, and kids were allowed to wear anything they wanted to, uh, the soccer kids would be wearing your Manchester United tops, your Ventus tops, your Barcelona tops, your Arsenal tops, and so forth, your Liverpool tops. Uh, these days when I go in for sports uh, school, there's, there's a lot less of the... European tops and more of the Melbourne Victory tops. Not seeing as many Melbourne City, city tops, yeah. but certainly a lot more Melbourne Victory tops. So I'm seeing a change, but that's anecdotal. Yep. And uh, and I, I would suspect if those kids are wearing the Melbourne Victory tops, they're going to the games. So this is this is actually turning around, and you know we are in, in, engaging these people a lot more, but uh, but it, probably not as quick as the clubs would like.
2: Hey, next on the line two Australian League hams dinner for four vouchers at Broad Arrow Rollers Friday night steak night round of golf. For two at uh, Keysborough Golf Course and you and a friend get to Comics Land Gold Pass. Thanks for your input. Steve's in Brighton. G'day, Steve.
0: Yeah, g'day. How are you?
2: Good, buddy. Good, mate. Yeah, good. I took
0: uh, three kids set Sunday afternoon to see. The problem with the game and the are as cheap as chips to get the kids in, but it was so slow. These three kids play soccer and want to see something
3: move. And this was a very slow game.
2: So you it went to City and Perth on the weekend, did you? Yeah. Yeah, it was a
3: pretty hot... Look, I, I don't want to make excuses for it's, athletes That's not, not
2: the one to take them to. Can't yeah, us?
3: no, it was... Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the purists, and I enjoyed the game, but I, I understand what the what Steve's saying because at times I'm thinking this is meandering along, but it was a really stinking hot day played in the middle nice. of... And, and look, again, if you go to enough games, you, you won't see that pace of game. Even the week before against Wellington, if you'd seen that on TV... The City-Wellington game was a really competitive, fast-paced sort of a game. So, yeah, if you go to the one-off and, and you make judgments on that, I suppose you run the risk of, of, uh, of just having that opinion about that game. But it was a really hot day. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, this is just meandering along at times, this game. Mm-hmm. But, I, but they're athletes and human beings at the same time. Well,
2: uh, similar theme again off the SMS. We've getting a lot of feedback off the SMS as well. Thank you, Steve, for your call. The Elmore Oil Pack's coming your way. The uh, Muscle eight Cream Relief. Beautiful, the arthritis relief. You'll love it. Stay on the line. We'll get to details. Um, this And this, I think, well, it's come through a few times, but this is the one I, I, I parked across to the side of the computer. That's because soccer's fun to play, but rubbish to watch. <laughs> Boring to watch. A nil yeah. all draws, but fun when you're having a kick. And, and I suppose mm. for those that haven't grown mm. up all the way through it, Carlos, but play it because it's a, it's a good game to play. My, yeah. my little man loves playing soccer. He doesn't play competitively, but mm. he loves getting the soccer ball out and having a kick around. Um, it's it's a bit like basketball. It is good mm. good to watch, but they haven't been able to translate into participate into yep. spectators either in the NBL and basketball just going through the numbers. Mm. Uh, they're just shy. Yeah, they're, of, they're pretty of big. Soccer, yeah, pretty soccer. big.
3: Yeah, yep. Look, you know. Uh, how do I, I – I can watch a nil-all draw, and even Diego's slammed well, me a nil times. There are nil-all draws,
2: there are nil-all draws, are yeah, there?
3: Yeah, but even, even the the poorest nil-all draws, the other Diego slammed me for this because they're willing to walk out, you know, <laughs> when it, they're really bad games. But I can watch – I just can watch it. But then again, I used to love watching the West Indies, you know, just absolutely – the the short pitch barrage of Australia where we could not hit a run and we had to block and and defend through session after session in test matches against the West Indies in cricket back in the 80s and and the 90s, especially when they had the five-prong attack. And I'd be sitting at the MCG by myself for the whole session. We'd score 30 runs in the session because it was just self-preservation. So I just love the contest. And I think there's a lot of Aussies out there that just love a contest. Now, if you haven't grown up with the culture of football, it might be hard for you to understand that. Mm. But if you, we all grew up with cricket, and we understand that, and we just love that. So uh, I promise you, if you give it, a, if you give the game a chance, and you and you really apply what you, you know, the knowledge of sport and the, and the, the, what the contest is all about, you know, the fabric of the contest, yeah. uh, you, you really would get that. But if you're looking for a quick Fun, you know, exciting thing every time. You're not going to get that with any sport, let alone soccer.
2: All right, we'll get to a break. Thirteen to two. Just some uh, numbers. Little, little man at the back's done some numbers. Average A League crowds throughout the journey, Carlos. You'll find this interesting. The first year, twelve thousand and change. Uh, second year, two more thousand, so fourteen. Third year was fifteen and a half. Back to 12, just thirteen in 08.09. 9, Nine ten was ten thousand, so a drop of two and a half. These are average crowds through the league uh, overall. 10 and 11 was 8,700. We got bored with it at that stage, Carlos. (laughs) And then we rejuvenated back up to nearly 11,000. The 12 and a half the following year, last year was 13 and a half, so up on uh, the previous one. And at the moment, we're up 200-ish, 220, 214 per game. Still going, of course, about third of the way. uh, Sorry, two-thirds of the way through the season. So 13 is... Uh, the peak was 0708 in the third year, 15,000, 15,500. 13,500 each yep. at this stage, Carlos. So it just hasn't, hasn't, from a spectator point of view, hasn't grown. Some yep. of the other, other aspects of it yep. have significantly. Yep. Derby, derbies are the
3: shining light. Yeah. Uh, but the rest we need to work on.
2: All right, 12 to 2, back more.
1: Eleven sixteen sen. Halftime with Daniel Harford for Waverley BMW just off the Monash Springbell Road, Glen Waverley.
2: Right, I, Carlos. Let's get through a few more calls before we uh, move on. John's in Mooney Ponds. Good day, John. Hi guys. How are we? Good, good, mate.
5: Fantastic uh, topic. Something, something that's I'm really passionate about, and I have to agree uh, with the first call. I think Nick. Um, I've been involved at state league level for twenty years, and at that level, and even at junior level, you'd see a lot of guys. You know, I'll be playing in a, you know, like State League Division One or so, playing games at halftime. People walking in, going, oh, are the Pies above that, beating um, the Blues and stuff like that? That continuously still going on. It's that, it's that, uh, that inferiority complex that we have, and unfortunately, you know, there's 200 domestic competitions around the world, if not more. We're not going to beat this, you know. You can count on on two hands how many decent competitions there are in the world. The rest are second tier competitions to compare to the, uh, you know, the big four. So does a guy in Norway doesn't go to football because he thinks that his competition is crap? No, they turn up, and I think we're a very, very, very fickle bunch. Um, there's definitely oh well, you know, a league's not cool. I know what A-League is, but you know what? I can go and watch it. I can smell it. I can see it every second fortnight. Um, I can watch my Premier League and all that, but there's nothing better than going to games no matter what. Well, I agree, Johnny.
2: As as a sports fan, being there live is mm. pretty much all there is to it. I love the TV coverage these days, and I like sitting on my couch at times when it's convenient. But being live at, at yep. sporting events, there's nothing nothing better.
3: Especially got the seats really close to the action, or you know, even with AFL, or if you're really close to these athletes these days, you really get a sense of how powerful they are, how fast things happen, how good their touches. Mm. Uh, just we did a little bit of the ground dancing. I know that you guys did. Uh, you, you did it at times at Melbourne City and. And Melbourne victory there half and yep. just being by and, the zombie like park is unbelievable. Oh, it, it, but watching those guys on TV, you don't get a sense of how powerful and how quick, how good the touch is, how quick they have to think. Uh, when you're that close and watch those athletes, it's got to inspire any young kid if you get him to the games and get him close to the action like that.
2: Thanks, John. And Blackie's in plenty. G'day, Blackie. G'day, guys. How you
3: going?
0: I agree with you, a few callers. But one point I wanted to make, guys, is just because kids play soccer doesn't necessarily mean they want to go and watch it and haven't been involved at junior level at Aussie Rules where you see kids after one or two years, probably because they're not physically strong enough to play uh, AFL. A lot of them go to, a lot of them play basketball, and a lot of them try out soccer. So, you know, as parents, you want your kids to play sport and basically as a parent, you don't care what sport they play, as long as they go there, enjoy it, make friends and, and keep fit and keep, um, keep out of trouble I mean I've got a daughter who plays basketball she's never watched a game of bas- basketball in her life no interest but she could play seven games uh, a week and the other thing is to consider also is that um, you know w- we have this police course called AFL which you know if you live in Melbourne it doesn't matter what sport you follow you have an interest generally in AFL and the AFL is such that you know, guys, a uh, bar London who has quite a few professional uh, soccer teams in it. There isn't a city in the world like Melbourne where you have the number one sport with so many uh, professional clubs clustered in the in the one the one city. So, you know, the A League really is battling at a a competitor that no other league in the world, maybe outside of the US, has has to face. But that's that, that's,
2: that's a really good point, Blackie, mm. But that only relates to Melbourne. I mean, we're not talking just numbers here in Melbourne. We're talking league-wide that they're having some issues. You're right. There's 10 teams in Victoria, 9 in Melbourne. in the AFL is, is ridiculous when you put it amongst the major sporting bodies around the world and how many teams they have in those areas. But this, this is the A-League clearly is bigger than just Victoria. Now... Well, victory members might not think that, Carlos, at times. But mm. there is uh, clearly other areas involved, other geographic areas involved. And they, it just doesn't seem to be the penetration at this stage that I would have thought with the numbers that have been given to me, and we've talked about before, Carlos, yep. that there would be more uh, translation to support, active support at, at games, being there as a spectator.
3: And even those Euro snobs that we talk about who just think everything's better overseas, they didn't fill a stadium when David Villa came. They didn't fill the stadium when, uh, when Damien Duff, you know, they're the two that stand out in my mind not, right now. Uh, El- Alessandro Del Piero, one of the greatest players that e- has ever played the game at any, in any generation, didn't fill Sydney Stadium, Sydney uh, mm-hmm. FC Stadium. So uh, it's got to be more than that. I, I think, by the way, there's a positive outlook to this. In that Tell me after the break. What yeah, are will.
2: These Tell me after the break.
1: On eleven sixteen, SEN Halftime with Daniel Harford for Waverley BMW. Offering exceptional new, used and demonstrative BMW models. Just off the Monash Springvale Road, Glen Waverley.
2: Carlos is with us. I'm sure this might get to mention the hot topic tonight with the four Diego's from 11, Carlos. Mm. But you said before the break there's a one good thing to come out of all this. Yeah, no, know.
3: Everyone's hanging out for the they last are. three minutes for it. They've smashed their cars on the freeways. All I'm going to say is just getting better. I mean, it will get better over time. It's, you can't. You can't fix decades and decades of mismanagement, maladministration, poor standards—the whole thing—in yep. ten years. You know, and and we've gone through our. You know, this has been evolving over ten years too. I think next we've we've got probably got to a point right now with a really good platform for the game. Next TV rights deal will be. A terrific deal, and we'll grow from there. And I think over the next ten years, we'll see a little bit more link, a connection between who's playing and who's turning up.
2: Right, on, Carlos. Good work from you. Great to have you in, mate. Good luck tonight from 11 with the other Diego's, and we'll catch you next Wednesday on halftime. My pleasure, mate.